Hi, it's Lucy and welcome back to another episode of Real Girls Club, my podcast where I interview women working in the film industry. In today's episode, I'm joined by Charlotte Finley. Charlotte is a costume supervisor and has worked on many major film productions that you've most definitely heard of, from Harry Potter to Pirates of the Caribbean, Mission Impossible, Love Actually, and most recently, Barbie. She worked alongside the costume designer Jacqueline Durren and director Greta Gerwig. In this episode, we talk all about how she got into working in the costume department on film sets, her advice for future costume supervisors, and what it was like to work on the biggest movie of the year. Hi Charlotte, nice to meet you. And you. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on my podcast. I'm really pleased, especially since I just saw Barbie on Sunday because it's been out in the UK for a while, but it's only France is a little bit slower. That's where I'm based. Oh, I see. Where are you currently based? I'm in London at the moment. Where are you in France? I'm in a very small town, but the nearest big town for me is Limoges, if you've heard mm-hmm. of that before. Yes, I had a, we, my family had a house really near, actually. Well, near oh. Angoulême, uh, between Poitiers and Angoulême, yeah. Okay, yeah, I know Angoulême is a lovely, a lovely city as well, and Poitiers. Yeah also yeah what a small world (laughs) so yeah Yeah. I'm excited to ask you a lot of questions and after looking at your IMDB I mean from what I can see is a very impressive resume you've worked on some of the biggest films like Harry Potter, Pirates of the Caribbean and Love Actually, Johnny English and of course this year's biggest film of the year probably which is Barbie so I wonder how do you get from, how do you get to work on one of the biggest films of the year? So wh- where did you start out in your education, in your career? And how did you end up becoming a costume supervisor? Okay, so I started out by living in France for 10 years in from the age of 18, actually, in Paris. And not knowing really what I wanted to do at all. I was due to study French and theatre at the university in England, but I needed to resit my exams and I didn't want to. So I thought I'd just go to France and I ended up staying and I had to work right away. So I just worked in a restaurant, you know, like most people at that age. But I then started working in advertising, which was more creative and sort of interesting. But I also worked in fashion intermittently because I wasn't being paid so I had to sort of you know it was quite a difficult world to get into and so I I did some sort of uh, internships with actually with Jane Birkin's daughter Kate Barry and she was putting together a collection and I worked with her for a a bit on and off and that sort of aroused Mm -hmm. my interest in fashion although I had always been interested in costume and had sketched and sort of made clothes and things as a child but didn't really know where I wanted to take that so having touched on fashion when I came back to England so when I was about 28 jumping a little bit I stayed I went back to advertising where I because I needed to earn money and I stayed in that that world when I came back to England I started to work alongside a costume designer and I decided I didn't want I didn't like the fashion world and that maybe costume would be a kind of kinder and more interesting area and so I worked with a costume designer called Anne Hollowood, who was a friend of my mother's. My mother's an actress, so that was helpful. And gradually worked dressing people on a TV series um, to start with and did a little, little more work um, on that on set, dressing actors and dressing crowd, dressing extras. And then I worked in a costume house for two years, a costume house called Cosprop, which is in London. 
which mm -hmm. is uh, a really great place to to learn. And that was really my training. I didn't have any formal training at all. So I left school at 18 and didn't do any kind of university or anything in the end or, or art school. But working at Cosprop was very uh, informative. And I also met a lot of costume designers and people who I was going to go on to work with once I left. So that's what happened. I started to work for various people and still not as a costume supervisor because that's quite a, a responsible position. And I was I was in my 30s and didn't have that experience. So I carried on dressing proud and working as an assistant sometimes, maybe making clothes, uh, doing alterations, a little bit of everything. But mainly on the floor on set. I mean, uh, that was the main my, my, my main job. Until I, I was given the opportunity to supervise when I was 40, actually. <laughs> wow. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I find it interesting that you started out in Paris, which is basically referred to as one of the capsules of fashion. Was it that that attracted you to Paris? You know, that it was sort of the centre of fashion? You know, what was it that sort of put you off, you know, the fashion world that is in Paris? Because, of course, it might have a certain reputation compared to what it might be like on a film or TV set. I mean, I no, I didn't really go there for fashion, but I, and I wasn't really in that world until I I dabbled in it with 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 Kate. But I found it very competitive from what I could see. You know, it was very competitive and difficult to make a living. You know, at the beginning of of a career, and I I mean, quite frankly, couldn't afford to to just work for nothing or, you know, just be mm -hmm. an intern in, in anywhere. And I and I didn't really know how to go about it. There wasn't so much available in the way of information about how to, you know, I don't know, be an intern at, at a costume house or something. I, I didn't really know how to approach mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. I knew I wanted to do something creative in with my life. You know, I came from a creative family and that sort of felt normal and right but I I didn't have a I didn't have a, an obvious path to take so it was mm -hmm. it took a while for me to find that way find find the way mm -hmm. really I would uh, say it's still the same today for a lot of people when they're sort of carving their path especially in the creative industries and especially with internships in cities like London or Paris it's not easy for everyone to be able to you know get their foot in the door but it sounds like all your experiences definitely were like building blocks to where you are now anyway you know from advertising to Paris I mean they all played a part in and where you are today. I'd like to know a bit more about your background. Actually, you said your mum was an actress. Did they sort of influence you and show you movies and things like that? What did you like at school? You're, you're interested in art then and already. Yes, I mean, my, my mother is an actress and my father was a photographer. So it was it was quite a bohemian and creative background. I had my parents at home a lot and um, not much money because they're not areas that you make a lot of money in. But but they they certainly introduced me to well the theatrical world and, and film the film world because I would sometimes go well, my sister and I would both go to the set with my mother and and also to the theatre I suppose quite a lot they they weren't big film buffs but and you know in those days it, it just wasn't like now I mean we went to the cinema but it mm -hmm. was an occasional and we enjoyed old films and things which I would watch with them but. But yes, they they definitely influenced me, and my my grandmother and my great aunt both made their own clothes to some extent. So there was quite a lot of that in the background, and I certainly did so, and you know felt quite comfortable in in that sort of area. Mm -hmm. as well. yeah. yeah, you were brought up definitely in a creative environment, so it seemed only yeah. 
like the right way to go really for you to go on to do what you do obviously you you worked alongside the the main or you work alongside on all of your films you work alongside the costume designer which obviously involves designing costumes and what the film's going to look like aesthetically on what people are wearing but what does the job of a costume designer a costume supervisor sorry uh, involve on a day-to-day basis what are sort of things would do you do that maybe somebody wouldn't expect to hear that you do well I mean if I start at the beginning of a project I will budget the project for the designer and for the for the production and I'll work with the designer on that and make sure that she feels or he feels that they can do it for that money and that that, that it's achievable. Mm-hmm. So for that, I need to know what kind of a team I need to put together. I'll, I'll read the script, I'll analyze the script and I'll break it down and I need to work out how many costumes each actor needs, um, maybe how many days there are, how many story days there are in a film, so how many changes, whether there are stunts, whether the, you know there's rain or all sorts of those you know, all the um, sort of things that cause problems with clothes. I mean, yes, a lot of potential problems in mm-hmm. a way, sort of foresee all of that, you know, if we're traveling or if we're in the studio or on location, all those things I need to factor in, in the mm-hmm. budgeting. But obviously that's just a first pass to sort of give them an idea of what we think it will cost. And that is a sort of ongoing situation. And I often have to revisit the budget to get it approved or, you know, according to new information and things like that. So mm-hmm. that's the first thing. Then I have to think about the space that we're going to need. And that's sometimes quite difficult to assess, but, you know, I'll be given an office or, or, or the production will ask what kind of space we need. And I might go to a studio and visit spaces and decide what I think we can manage with. Um, you mean spaces to hold all work. the costumes? Yes, to work in an office or to store crowd costumes. We have to have space for fittings. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to have space for a workroom, for uh, a textile department. Mm-hmm. And so I have to think about all those areas and make sure that we've got enough room for that. That's always a bit of a battle because they can never quite believe how much space we need. <laughs> but again, that's ongoing and I can get more space if I need it. And, you know, that sort of can be a, a situation that can change as, as things progress. And then, you know, gradually the production gets going and more and more people will start working with us. I mean, I suppose I have to I have to sort of keep an eye on the budget all the time. I have to keep an eye on the spaces all the time, I have to keep an eye on all the people all the time and make sure that everybody's okay and that they're happy in their work environment and mm-hmm. that, you know, that there aren't any problems there. Mm-hmm. That's quite a big part of my job, diplomacy with my own team and also with production and presenting a, a united and sort of diplomatic front to production is important. Mm-hmm. At the same time, we need to have what we need and in 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 all ways either Mm -hmm. financial and other ways and I mean on an everyday basis when we start to shoot I have to I then have to have a team who who are on set and who are looking after the actors so that's a whole other team and I have to back them up and make sure that they have what they need and also that we are all informed by production of, of their needs and what filming requires for each day and that we're ready for that each day so mm-hmm. there's a lot of the scheduling is very important and I have to analyze the schedule regularly. Often there are new schedules issued every now and again and I have to make sure that something hasn't been brought forward and that suddenly we're going to have need something tomorrow that we thought was in two months time. 
and then I can alert the whole team and we can we can act on it. So I have to keep really on top of that and also any script changes. Mm-hmm. So we get a few pages of scripts and we need to read those and make sure that there's nothing untoward that's been slipped in without us realizing. So there's that. And then, you know, the everyday running is, you know, I have to make sure people aren't doing too many, too many hours, I suppose, make sure that we're getting paid overtime correctly for those hours. I have to sign all the timesheets. So the time cards for people once they've put in the hours they, they did the previous week. So that's a quite a big part of it once we start shooting because everybody does different hours. It sounds um, like a lot more admin and management that I wouldn't, than I was expecting to hear. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of admin. I mean, it is a lot of admin. At the same time, you know, I have to kind of make sure that, okay, for the, on the creative side, I have to make sure that the that the creative team are aware of the time factors, the deadlines. Mm-hmm. I have to arrange the fittings with the production office, the, the assistant directors, make sure the actors come in with enough time to do their costumes them and maybe you know get them in for two or three fittings at a time and just I have to ensure that the creative team have everything they need in the way of people to so I don't know the 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 costume cutters to cut to or embroiderers or milliners uh, leather workers to work according to their to their instruction for whatever particular design they have in mind or whatever Mm -hmm. we're making I have to make sure there are enough people to shop if we're shopping. But it is, you know, it is sort of less and less creative. I mean, I in some small jobs, I will be more involved with the costumes themselves and, and fittings. But on the bigger jobs, it really is just sort of... Managing everyone. <laughs> managing the department and managing everybody and making sure that all the information gets transferred from us to production and vice versa. Also connecting with all the other departments, so props department, hair and makeup department, set mm-hmm. decorating and art department all have some sort of crossover with our department. And it's important that that we're all on the same page and that we're mm-hmm. working towards the same kind of themes and the same ideas. But creatively, I, I suppose I will work with the designer, you know, to to support him or her in their decisions and their their direction but mm-hmm. it sort of it depends a little bit on which designer I'm working with some require less support and some mm-hmm. require a lot of support and okay. um, some will involve me more creatively and some will not expect that and and so it, it I like it I like it to be I like to be involved creatively and feel that I am part of that the creative team and it does help to have a creative overview although some supervisors are less creative and it's perfectly possible to do the job without being creative okay Um, but you know it sort of depends what what the designer needs really Mm -hmm. yeah I was going to ask how much on on films yeah you are really involved in things like be I don't know an emergency fixing a seam or a hole in something or something's got ripped or whatever sort of things that can happen last minute unexpectedly on the day are there certain things or have you got an example of maybe a really challenging time on set? Well, there are certainly some challenging times. Um, yeah, I mean, I the thing is, I I suppose I know I can do that. You know, for example, repairs, or whatever. I could I could definitely help. And and sometimes, if there isn't anyone else around, then I will I will do what needs to be done, whether that's sewing or I don't know, unpicking or 
dressing and it does because I've done that I, I know what it is and I know how to do it but generally on a on a bigger project there will always be people that I will then just call on and, and they will do it they will resolve the problem mm -hmm. um, I mean very little is urgent enough to require me to jump in but if it is if I have to then I can and I do I suppose I mean there are situations where you know uh, productions expect one to for example you're in a cold or wet situation and and often productions very unreasonably expect us to keep people warm when they're cold and wet and they they're quite it I have been in situations where that's been very difficult where mm. you, you know, don't want to get the costumes ruined either well yes mm. but even if we, we know that they're wet and everything but they, that production still expect us to really perform miracles in keeping people warm who are actually wet um mm. that is sort of quite a big problem sometimes and it demands quite a lot of well level-headedness to to sort of just say we we are doing what we can and and, mm -hmm. and really providing everything we can so that we can't be criticized for not not thinking about all those mm -hmm. I think it reminds me of that scene in Devil Wears Prada, which I'm sure you've probably seen in Miranda Peasley wants her to make the rain stop for her flight to come. It's like, well, I can't change the weather. I'm not God. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, it's a little bit like that. Instead of water is wet and therefore it's cold, you know, yeah. and it's November and you wanted to shoot outside. So there we are. You know, it's sort yeah. of you, if you didn't want them to be cold, you needed to shoot it in July. <laughs> so um, there are some quite unreasonable situations we get into um make that difficult but yeah I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head I'm sure there have been <laughs> but, no, because every job has its own challenges yeah. has has several challenges at a time usually and yeah uh, part of it is it, a lot of our job is or my job is troubleshooting or preempting you know trouble so mm -hmm. trying to make sure that trouble does not arise covering all bases and that's a big part of our job I think okay um, that's really interesting though I mean it's something I didn't know personally and you know of course people are interested in I guess the costume designer because it's like well they want to know you know how everything was made and all that but it is interesting to know I think these roles uh, that go on behind the scenes that we might not think of that play such a big part I mean if you weren't there everything would fall apart you know so you know you're such an essential part of the of the movie set so you were saying that before a film you read the script so I'm wondering how much more you get involved in research I guess if you are working closely with the costume designer then you'll be getting probably closely involved with the research too but like even if you're working more on the admin side do you still do a lot of research about I don't know for especially well we'll get onto that very soon about Barbie but um let me think uh, like Harry Potter or most recently you worked on Indiana Jones I saw as well which is another one that only came out this year are you doing a lot of research in terms of maybe watching movies or looking at different eras of, you know, what people used to wear in certain, well, yeah, back in the day or in certain environments? Are you doing a lot of that as well? Yeah, I do, because, uh, I mean, we might employ a researcher sometimes. And I think well, we did have somebody work on Indiana. Again, it depends on the designer. Some like to do that and some don't, especially. But um, I do do quite a lot of research sort of partly for my own interest, but also mm -hmm. just to know what we're, what we're looking at. Also, because I have to kind of, I suppose the most creative side of things is that I have to sort of, quite a lot of the time, plan how we're going to source the crowd costumes, because 
often the uh, principal costumes are, are cast are made. Right, um, made, to, made to order. Often, yeah, made to order or bought, you know, at, at great expense or, you know. And the crowd costumes, we sort of have to find a way of making that cheaper and sourcing a, a quantity, you know, for example, mm -hmm. on Indiana Jones, we, we sourced from many different costume houses across the world. Mm -hmm. And that is essential to get the number of costumes we needed. We had a lot of crowd in that in that production and it mm -hmm. was a period of production. So we had to so I do get involved with a lot of a lot of the research and also things like, you know, I don't know, policemen and firemen and things like that, where you have mm -hmm. to make sure you're using the right the right uniforms, the right badges, mm -hmm. that kind of thing has to be really well researched. Yeah. And sometimes there is someone who can do that on your job. Um and sometimes because I just like to get ahead, I sort of make a foray into that area and and just get a bit of research and we we make some mood boards just to get going mm -hmm. really it must be so, a great way is also to a great way to get inspired before you start on yeah. a new project yeah just get it get the sort of general vibe of, of the film and to know what you're you're like you say know what you're working with and also just it's always it can never hurt to know more like than you you need to for your role Yes, and it also helps for me to explain to people who are coming on to the job what 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 we're looking for, what kind of what mm -hmm. style we're looking at, and I will probably be aware of you know what the designer has presented to the director and what is successful or less successful and what direction we're going in really. Mm -hmm. um, so I I then give that information to people who are working for us and with mm -hmm. us. So it, it it's definitely helpful. So, of course, I'd love to talk about Barbie now. <laughs> I'm sure you've done a lot of talking about it this year so far. Yeah, I saw the film on Sunday. And yeah, one of the things I was looking forward to the most was the costumes and the set design because I'd seen photos of it before seeing the film itself. And I just thought it looked amazing. And, you know, it was even better, you know, in person actually seeing the film. And there was so much detail that went into it. What was it like when this sort of script arrived in the post on your desk? I don't know where, where you get your scripts. <laughs> Yeah, how did the whole project come about? And yeah, um, well, I was I was actually still working on Indiana Jones when when that came up, and so uh, but I I read the script. Yeah, I got the script, and you get it generally in your computer. I mean, email, and I mean, I really loved it straight away. I thought it was, I mean, crazy and funny and bonkers and and well written. I thought quite difficult to see where how that was going to go. I mean, it was sort of very early days, but anyway, mm -hmm. I I really it um, right away and was very happy to take on the project. Jacqueline sort of made a start first of all with her own research and I sort of I was part-time for a bit because I was still on Indiana Jones. So and Greta, so Greta was still in obviously still in America because that was uh, I mean at least six months before we started shooting mm -hmm. um, but Jacqueline was in touch with her and her team and was getting kind of she'd worked with her before as you know and she was you know yeah getting an idea of what what Greta had in mind how she wanted things to look and I think Jacqueline you know will have done her research obviously into into all, all the existing Barbies and and tried to work out what the best way to present this was and gone through that with Greta and gradually sort of gradually it builds to a sort of a structure that makes sense and that everybody's happy with with a lot of mood boards a lot of reference and also Jacqueline worked quite 
tightly with Sarah Greenwood, the set production designer. And to, you know, because it was very important that that was a coherent uh, collaboration, really. So, yes, it starts with the influences that, that Greta gives to Jacqueline, really, to, in mm-hmm. order to forward. So there was quite a lot of visual reference that Greta would send her and then she would take take away and work with that. Yeah. Yeah, when you look at the different costumes in Barbie, you've got everything from, you've got sort of cowgirl Barbie, and then you've got sort of 80s aerobics Barbie at some point, and then the more sort of elegant as well. So it's really interesting, you know, how it's almost, I guess it's part of her character arc and evolution as well in the film, how she changes. and But then also you've got all the, like, like you're talking about dressing the crowds. There is a lot of, well, not just, I guess, would you call them extras, um, yes. you know a lot of extras and then there's a lot of side characters all the different Barbies as well and what I noticed as well it was not just the costumes it was like right down to the hair and the earrings so yeah how how was that sort of like planning something that's so not just the costumes but it was like I, I think she didn't want anything to be out of place kind of thing it felt like from yeah from everything from the earrings to the makeup it was all coherent and especially with the set design as well as you were saying so yeah what what was that like working on not just the costumes but I guess accessories as well and then yes I mean it is quite difficult to keep everything together when when you're you're dealing with people as well I mean once you've got actresses as well coming in who came in I mean the casting was quite tight um for some of us and they have so many costumes because as with Barbie herself Mar- Barbie Margot I mean everybody has a change so you know, they all ended up with all, all the kind of the uh, minor characters, you know, ended up with 10, 12 costumes mm-hmm. and they all have a lot of input as well. So that that, that is quite challenging. And we have to, to sort of give them a reason for each style of costume according to the event. Mm-hmm. And that was the same for Barbie Margot. I mean, starting with Barbie Margot was always a good way to go because the other actresses came in later. So what we what seemed very clear was that Barbie has to have a different costume for everything she does and not every not every day but even during the day if she changes what she's doing then she needs a different costume mm-hmm. if she's driving she has a costume if she's swimming she has a costume mm-hmm. if she... I mean like the doll was yeah you wouldn't just have a Barbie yeah. with one outfit you'd have you know swimming Barbie or whatever right. yeah <laughs> changes according to what she's doing and so all the mm-hmm. other girls are the same and um mm-hmm. So that was something to to get everybody's head around. And then then it's a matter of what suits the actress and what they feel happy wearing. And obviously that's that's a challenge with any actor or actress and takes a little time to to work out really what style works and Mm -hmm. and trying to adapt things that everybody else is wearing to somebody who who it might not suit normally. And then for the extras, I mean, we we bought a lot of a lot of clothes. I mean, we were the the girls, well, it was mainly girls who were shopping. I mean, we shopped till we dropped and there was, you know, costumes coming in and out of the department all day, every day. And we did a lot of fittings. And again, we thought we were going to be dressing these extras in, you know, maybe two or three costumes. And then it became apparent that it, they also had to have a different change for every event. And they, you know, we had a group of dancers and some extras needed to change every time so everybody needed to change and everybody had to have multiple changes and it mm-hmm. it was it was pretty hard work actually getting getting all the extras and also 
then we created in, in Barbie world, we created a whole group of um, professional Barbies, you know, at the very beginning, mm -hmm. when she drives through um, Barbie world, there are, you know, there's sort of the senator, the... yeah, there's sort of post post woman and the, um, the builders and all mm -hmm. these women who have all these professions. Um, so they need, you know, special uniform style costumes to show mm -hmm. their profession. Mm -hmm. um, a pilot and um, astronaut and things like that. So um, it must have been really was, fun as well because it wasn't just one dimensional. You know, you had so much. It was great fun. Yeah, it was really good fun, and also, I mean, we had we had reference because you know Barbie has had almost every costume you could imagine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you've got a lot of archive to go through there. An awful lot. And there were particular ones that, you know, Mattel wanted us to use. But, you know, there were there was also, you know, a, a real wealth of research um, to be done and a reference for us to use. And they seemed happy with everything that we, we produced for all the different extras. And, yeah. I'm interested, actually, in the shopping side of things. When you say shopping... Is that just going into town and going into vintage shops, charity shops, online? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, so it's a bit of everything. So it's a lot of online shopping. I mean, and the problem for us is the speed to get it to get it delivered. So it's just, it's a bit of a problem if it comes from abroad and it takes longer. Mm -hmm. That's a bit of a problem. But uh, online shopping, vintage shopping, charity shop shopping, and high street, all of all of the above, really. I mean, everything, every single wow. way. So we had a lot of people doing that. All that sounds time. really fun. I think I know a lot of people that would find that quite a fun, easy job to do. <laughs> Although if you've got a specific costume in mind and you can't find it or, yeah. you know, rather than just going for pleasure of like, oh, I'll just see what I find. But really, you're you're looking for specific things, I guess. So it might be more challenging. It is challenging, but it's 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 easier if I mean, the, the good thing about Barbie was that it was actually contemporary, even though, you mm -hmm. know, they had a bit of a period theme but they it, it was contemporary and that makes it a lot easier because if you're trying to do period things and you're trying to find things that look period even though they're new and and, mm -hmm. and it's more difficult to source but but yes it's um it was a huge huge shop <laughs> yeah huge coming shopping. back with many um shopping bags yeah 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 um, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time and you've been on, it seems that since the beginning, you've been kind of working on, you know, uh, well-known films from the beginning. So to arrive on a set like Barbie, I guess maybe you didn't get, you know, starstruck or anything. It might be a bit daunting or intimidating to work with such big personalities and actors. But I mean, yeah, like I said, you've been doing this for a long time, so maybe you've had time to sort of not be bothered by that. Is is it challenging at all to work with certain big actors or personalities? Or do you ever find it? I mean, I guess they must just be pretty normal and down to earth once you get to know them. Yeah, I mean I no, I'm still I'm still really impressed and and find that the set's sort of awesome and really impressive. I mean I I it hasn't really lost the magic when mm -hmm. you when onto a set and it, the production design is amazing and the costumes look great and everybody sort of looks good together and that is still gives a really good impression and, and is really exciting actually and there were some young you know we had trainees who were absolutely kind of beside <laughs> themselves I have to say that you know a lot of people who worked on Barbie even though we didn't know what a huge success it was going to be a lot of people said to me it was their favorite job ever and that you know it was oh, so enjoyable nice. It was a really happy 
set. And I think that after the pandemic, you know, we really needed that kind of uplifting optimism and joyful kind of filmmaking mm-hmm. with humor and a lot of good vibes on the set and mm-hmm. and sort of generally. <laughs> so it yeah. was really great. Greta Gerwig seems like a really nice person to work with or for. She just doesn't look like she could be mean at all. Like no, she just looks fine. very happy. I mean, yeah, and of course, if a set's just pink everywhere, how can you not feel happy? <laughs> and people were funny, you know, the, the actors were good and funny. I mean, Margot and, and Ryan also delightful, really nice, really professional. And yeah, I mean, there was a lot to be happy about, really. And the soundtrack, <laughs> the soundtrack is very like feel good as well. It is, although we don't have that when we're shooting. We only had, no. um, the only soundtrack we had was, we had the music for the disco scene, but the block party, but it, it didn't have any any voice on it. So the yeah, the two dance sequences, we had the music. So mm-hmm. yeah. I saw that recently yeah. on Julie's Instagram that she they, they had the beat behind it, but they didn't actually have the vocals on it yet. So I thought that was quite right, impressive yeah. how she just came up with the lyrics based on what it looked like. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you mentioned, you know, trainees being on maybe some of the other sets as well, but on on Barbie. What sort of advice do you give to the trainees? Do you mentor them at all? Are you so busy with what's going on with you that maybe, you know, they kind of just have to learn for themselves, I guess? Well, you know, we always have trainees. So we have trainees on every job. We have trainees and then juniors and then Mm -hmm. you become a fledged But And they come from different walks of life and different have different training or different, uh, I don't know, either university experience or fashion school. You know, we interview quite carefully who we're going to bring in because it's quite, you know, if they haven't done it before, it is quite challenging and quite unlike what they might imagine. I try to keep up with them during the shoot and make sure that they get a little bit of a taste of different areas of the department and that they mm-hmm. get to the set often they aren't in a role that would need them to go to the set and sometimes the sets are quite closed and it's quite difficult to get access but we we try and give them as much access to all areas as possible so that mm-hmm. they have a really good idea of what they're working on and and all the different areas that they could explore and then I mean sometimes I'll, I'll keep them on if I'm going on to another job I'll you know and it's worked well then I'll keep them with me as much as possible or I'll give them uh, numbers or emails of other people to to help them get a, a job after our job. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that's very helpful because I know it can be, like I said, it's not yeah. easy to get into these industries. So if somebody can give you sort of a, a leg up or whatever you say to you yeah. know, get you onto your next project, because of course that's how the film and TV industry works. It's not nine to, well, it is nine to five in a way, but you know, projects can sort of, may, you know, once a project's over, you've got to find the next one and it's not always guaranteed. Yes, it's not everyone's cup of tea to to not have that security as well. So yeah, that routine. It, mm-hmm. it, it's hard for them to adapt to that and mm-hmm. financially as well. You know? I mean, it's not easy. So, so what advice would you give to someone that wanted to get into a job like yours? And you know, what are the key, let's say, the three, two or three key qualities that that person really needs to have? I think flexibility is is very important because every job is different and. And even if you have the same role in another job, it's not going to be the same. So yeah. you sort of have to be kind of observant and flexible and adapting, adapt to the people around you and, and the environment. So not too fixed, I suppose, is what I'm saying uh, in your kind of sites. 
and I think persistence very difficult. I know they, I get emails after email after email from the same people, but one day it works, and it, one day I'm looking for someone, and it and it works out, and I can take them on, you know. And that has mm -hmm. happened, you know. Keep on emailing or texting, and sometimes it works out that it's good timing. I always say to them that I think it would be good to try something small. I mean, a lot of them really want to come onto these big projects, but on the big projects, you get a little bit pigeonholed into sort of one position. Mm -hmm. And if you work on a small project, you're going to be much more likely to get a broader experience and be mm -hmm. given more responsibility sooner. You know, you might be on set, you might be dressing, you might be shopping, you might be doing all those things. Whereas on a big project, you'll be literally just doing one thing probably yeah the small projects are good they they might not be quite as well paid but at that level it doesn't make actually doesn't make much difference it's similar pay and mm -hmm. it's it's worth doing and worth you know, like tv or anything like that definitely something I've realized myself I've always been so ambitious and you're aiming for that big company or that big project but actually sometimes you need to walk before you can run in order to get all that experience to be able to work on a bigger set later on yeah. and you know there's no need yeah. to sort of jump straight away to the big things you know no, and and sometimes it slows you up a bit because you just get as I said pigeonholed into this one area and then you know you might even stay there on another job and you still haven't seen you know the broader picture I mean mm -hmm. I started doing all sorts of things uh, when I began and it's really helpful to really start at the bottom and kind of work on set, work off the set, work in the offices, work in the workrooms, in the workshops, mm -hmm. and really get a really broad, so that you understand how costumes are actually produced. Because otherwise, it's not it's not just going shopping, you know, mm -hmm. a lot of it. Even if we shop, we we alter and we, we dye and we break things down. And, you know, so it's lots of, there's a big process that happens. It's, it's not as okay. simple as... Shopping. So even once you've bought something that thing that you've bought might be like you've just said dyed cut change customized basically it might not look anything at all like what it was when you bought it no that's right and I mean some of the principal costumes on Barbie were were shot for you know even on Ryan or you know they were they were new you know but they were altered to fit and mm -hmm. uh, they might have had you know trim taken off or added added on yeah of course to fit them high. you know perfectly yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. um so yes, you have to sort of see the potential of something you're buying because it's sometimes a lot cheaper to buy than to make. You've worked as a costume supervisor. Would you ever, if 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 offered, would you want to do costume design? I don't know. I think um, I think there are a lot of people out there who are keen to design and who are you know who've been working at it for a long time. And I suppose I could have at some point sort of decided that I wanted to try to do that and there, there are supervisors who become designers mm -hmm. um I think if I put my mind to it you know I could but it, it was you know I suppose a lot of different factors including financial um you know because I'd have to accept very low budget projects probably to start and mm -hmm. it would be unlikely to start with something great you know and something well paid and you know life comes in <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's a lifestyle change as well really it's a lifestyle change that I would have to adapt to mm -hmm. um, and I think actually even even now although I'm interested in, in other creative things and I think I I feel that uh, it's it's not for me to to make that move on mm -hmm. so no
Okay, interesting. I just wanted to, to know, because obviously I've seen you've done assistant costume design on maybe one yes. or two movies. So I was just wondering if it had an impression on you. Obviously, you've preferred to continue on doing costume supervising. So it seems, and, and like you say, you've been able to work on big projects um, rather than having to take a step back really and sort of and start I'm working your way up again. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I have the confidence because, because of my experience in what I do now. Mm-hmm. If I were to, you know, quite honestly, if I were to start designing, I would definitely not have the same confidence and it would be quite a big jump um, for me, quite a big leap of faith. Um, to, yeah. I, have, I did actually design a couple of things very, very early on, you know, for, for, for virtually no money. And, and, you know, I did enjoy it. I did. But um, I, I don't think it's for me. There we are. <laughs> Just interesting to know, you know, maybe if someone wants to be a costume, uh, costume supervisor, or they maybe want to see if they could do a bit of both. But it's interesting to hear your point of view. And you yeah. say you're interested in other creative things. So where else do you get your inspiration just for for working on films? Do you are you do you often go and I don't know, maybe go to fashion shows or exhibitions? Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't go to fashion shows, really, but I certainly go to any kind of fashion exhibition and art exhibitions. I also really enjoy textiles and actually architecture and design, furniture design and, you know, so anything that's style or design really will be of interest. And so enjoy kind of working in my own home and the design aspects of sort of original design aspects in my own home. And I think that's the great thing though is about, some people think, oh, once I've picked that career, then I can't be creative and elsewhere or it might be, but actually you can be so creative in many other areas of your life and it will always help you with your job as well, whatever you've picked up outside of work. And also we, we, we're we very lucky, you know, on location, we're taken to the, the most amazing places, which aren't always open to the public. So we have, you know, as a film crew gets into the most incredible buildings and things and in the world one one really great experience I got from Barbie was that obviously Chanel you know contributed uh, massively and so I was in Paris recently and I asked if I could go and visit Chanel's apartment and the and the workrooms there and I got a I got a personal tour of the whole thing it was amazing wow I went to see her well her her own apartment which is um Rue Mm. And also where she used to do the shows, which is on the first floor above. Yeah. Uh, and where they display the current collection. Wow. And then I went to the workrooms upstairs. Yeah, it was really amazing. Would you say that training, sorry, like a degree in costume design or fine art or something really, or theatre studies, is it not necessarily essential to get into the costume world? No, I don't think it is. I mean, I think actually what seems to be the case is that costume, a lot of the people at at maybe my age and a bit younger have come from very many different areas, actually, and some many without any training at all. Those that want to, who know that they want to be a costume designer, tend to do a fashion course or or do costume design at at Wimbledon or at Bournemouth or, you know, there are various art schools that you can do something similar or they do an art degree and then come to it from from there or textile degrees but I I really think a lot of it is something you can learn on the job and Mm -hmm. with experience and time you know I mean 
I'm not sure that it's always essential to, I'm definitely not sure it's essential to mm-hmm. have a degree. And, and there's definitely no, I'm going to say no sort of prejudice against people who don't have degrees. I mean, when mm-hmm. I get, I get CVs, I get, you know, loads of people with degrees and I get people without. And it, it really sort of, it's not really for me a deciding factor as to whether I take somebody on or not. At mm-hmm. all. Yes, so, I guess it can only be a bonus really if they do have one, but it's not essential. No, and you know, it's nice to do a degree and it's mm-hmm. enjoyable. You can, you know, it's a great time to spend learning and seeing lovely things and studying, but mm-hmm. it's, it, it, I don't think it's essential for what we do. I don't. So what are your, what, what's next for you now that Barbie's finished? Well, obviously, you know that there are strikes going on in America. So yeah. um, so that that's having a very big impact on our industry in the UK because a lot of the money comes from America. So projects have ground to a halt. And at the moment, I don't have anything. Really quite quite challenging for a lot of people now. I think mm. it's, uh, we're used to having a lot of input, a lot of, arrivals of big movies from america and everything is everything's being stopped wow so the only projects that it can go are uk based and smaller projects mm-hmm. uh, without any american money you know basically right yeah i mean I've, so, I've not been keeping up with it massively but of course i've heard about it and it's like the first strike to happen in like 60 years or something yeah it's both the actors and the writers and it really means that projects that were in post pre-production can't start till until everything's resolved right do you you have an idea how long it'll go on for it's looking like it could be even christmas that is mm, that's long (laughs) i mean of course you were saying that when you started out you know there wasn't a lot of money to be made or or what was it you're saying that your mum was an actress but you know in these industries you know it's not exactly well paid but i think a lot of people assume well yeah if you're Margot Robbie you are being well paid but actually there's a lot of actors that you don't know or writers that are not actually getting paid a lot not like the people that work on the big things that's right and and I understand that the 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 bigger actors in America are are sort of donating money yeah they're supporting which is good yeah good but you know and it it is having an effect on the acting well all the crews in in the UK including the actors because a lot of them do act regularly in American productions and mm-hmm. um, all a bit stymied really mm. so you don't really know what your next project will be just yet or don't I mean there are a couple of things in the pipeline but for next year but you just don't know I hope um, it I hope it has a positive outcome I guess yeah, so they're, they're striking they'll hopefully you know get what they want well thank you so much it's been really interesting to chat to you and hear all about your job all right. thank you thank you Bye. Okay. Okay. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode with Charlotte Finlay. I really hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed making it. I certainly learned a lot from her and all her advice and tips from her long career in costume supervising. If you enjoyed it or think it may be useful to someone, please do share it and remember to subscribe and review this podcast on Spotify. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at Real Girls Club to be updated on future episodes. I'll see you in the next one.